Maximizing every asset is a basic tenet of every successful business. How can restaurants and other businesses with kitchens put the kitchen asset to good use when not being used by the business? We talk about that with Virtual Fork. It's on tip of the tongue. Welcome to Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Cole Graham, the co-founder of the Austin, Texas-based business, Virtual Fork. It's a B2B enterprise matching kitchens with those who need them. Welcome, Cole. Hi, Liz. It's really nice to be here. I'm uh, excited to talk with you today. So why don't you tell me a little bit about Virtual Fork? Yeah, absolutely. So Virtual Fork, as you already mentioned in the intro, is a B2B marketplace for kitchens and kitchen owners. Kitchen owners can monetize their downtime capacity, so when they're closed, uh, by hosting another food business in their space. Um, And once these two have been paired on our marketplace, Virtual Fork has a bunch of tools to help these parties manage any kind of liability that happens in the kitchen with tools for cleanliness and handoff and other things like that to ensure a really smooth operational relationship between any of the parties using the kitchen. So how did this concept come to be? Yeah, so my co-founder and I met in college, uh, good friends from college, and his, his name, name is Jacob. Okay. Jacob, yeah. So we met in college, uh, and we went to school in Italy for university, actually, mm-hmm. um, at an economics university in Milan. And so living over in Milan during the pandemic, you can imagine that there were a lot of restaurateurs over in Italy who had to close their businesses and try new ways to get their food to end consumers. So there were a lot of delivery apps and delivery services for food that were coming into play over the first couple months of the pandemic. And, you know, it works really well over in Europe because the cities are so dense. Mm -hmm. Um, But these entrepreneurs were trying really really interesting things like, you know, dark kitchens or ghost kitchens, specific delivery only restaurant concepts, things like that. So Jacob and I thought, okay, well, we want to take some of these ideas that we've seen work really well in Milan and come back to the US and see if we can make them work. And so we did, we, uh, we went back to Colorado and launched a couple delivery only restaurants out of the back of a bowling alley when the bowling alley was closed. And um, I mean, it was a fantastic experience. The restaurants launched, we had good demand, but you know, we ran into a lot of issues that I think were not specific just to us, but more specific to, you know, the restaurant industry as a whole, namely, you know, kitchen space is expensive, ingredients are expensive, prices are going up quite a lot with inflation. 
and it's really hard to find staffing as well. And so we, we kind of took a step back and went, okay, you know, this is great, but at the same time, if we're facing these issues and we know other people are, it's probably an industry-wide issue, some of these things, right? Like things being expensive. And so that's when we decided we wanted to take a step back and retool our business to become that infrastructure to help small businesses uh, really maximize their kitchens and the value they can get out of their kitchens, uh, which then paired really nicely with helping other entrepreneurs and small businesses find kitchen space. And so that's kind of how the idea evolved from its infancy to now what we have uh, as Virtual Fork today. Okay, so why are you not in Colorado anymore? So really, it it just came down to the um, the food scene here in Austin. All right. Uh, there is a great number of small businesses in Austin that need kitchen space, especially food trucks, mm-hmm. um, which are required to have a, a prep facility, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really it came down to looking at demand numbers and things like that, but also the culture of being able to do business in Texas. There was a lot more support we found from local health departments and things like that when we were looking at areas to get started. Mm-hmm. And Austin was one of the cities that offered the most support to us and was the most interested to figure out how to make this work. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's why we made the jump from Colorado down to Austin about a year ago now. So are you coders or are you people who just know what the end product is that you're looking for and you get people to code it for you? We're, we're a little bit of both. Okay. Which is good. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jacob and I as co-founders are a really good team. So we both have skills that are very complementary. Um, where we've been able to, uh, we've been able to design the product and do all of the architecture uh, with our own knowledge of coding and different languages, coding languages. Mm-hmm. Um, we did end up getting a team in place to actually build the product, an engineering team, um, so that we could focus on the business aspects, such as getting kitchens and renters onboarded. So give me an example. Let's say I decide that I am going to open a food truck and uh, uh, I'm going to be serving, let's say, because you were in Italy, I'm going to be serving various kinds of Italian street food, maybe arancini and some sort of modified things like uh, in, in New Orleans, I'd say uh, meatball po'boys and oh, uh, nice things like that. So I, I need a kitchen. So what do I do? So it's, it's actually really easy. That's the, the whole thing. We've designed this to be easy for both kitchens and renters. So if you are a renter, you'll be able to log on to our platform at virtualfork.io. Uh, you'll have to set up an account. That's fairly simple, just basic username, password, stuff like that. Before then, you can go onto our marketplace, which looks and feels like a, a VRBO, Airbnb, any one of those marketplaces you, you know and you've interacted with before. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, you'll be able to see kitchens uh, that are in your desired geographic area. So if you're in New Orleans, for instance, you'll be able to see some around the city. 
and you'll be able to filter based on your needs. So your time of day you want this kitchen, day of the week, um, different equipment you need. So if you're making those meatball pull boys and you need a specific type of deep fryer or oven or anything like that, you'll be able to search and filter. And once you find a place you like, you'll be able to see hourly rates for usage and set the, uh, the time frame of which you'd like to be in the kitchen. So um, pretty simple. You can book directly from there. Uh, and then once the kitchen has a chance to look over your profile and your business, they can accept. And then we just have a couple steps to get you all set up and then you're ready to go into the kitchen. Okay. So how many cities or states are you operating in now? So right now we're just in the state of Texas. The okay, so I can't actually do this in New Orleans. <laughs> you you can't actually do this in New Orleans. Not yet. Uh-huh. Um, the good news is that will change really soon. So right now we're in Austin and in a couple of weeks, we're going to be expanding to Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, El Paso as our biggest next markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll go to smaller cities like that afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then we'll open up to other states nearby. So of course, Louisiana, we're going to go to a couple others, Illinois, Arizona, uh, and kind of handpicked markets first that we know uh, have the supply and demand challenges that work well for a marketplace like ours mm-hmm. uh, before we can eventually go national. And so... What are the requirements? Let's say I have a kitchen. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you like, this is all not, I'm I'm not making this up. This is all true. And so I think we're a great example because all of these things are real. I'm not having to make up anything. So in New Orleans, so I'm with the Southern Food and Beverage Museum and the Southern Food and Beverage Museum has a certified kitchen. We have had in the past a restaurant there at the at the museum, but right now we don't, and people are able to rent out the kitchen. I mean, we actually already rent out the kitchen, and uh, we you know we get inspected by the health department and all of those things, and people use it for various kinds of things. We have somebody who makes kombucha out of the kitchen and sells kombucha. And at a scale that he can't do cottage laws or anything like that. And uh, we have people who are caterers who use the kitchen and we have bakers who use the kitchen. And because we're open to the public, sometimes people can actually come and pick up from the caterers or the bakers through the museum. And we also have people who do pop-up restaurant, you know, pop-ups there. They rent the restaurant, the kitchen, and then they also use the space that we have um, to serve people for two or three hours, whatever. And they usually pre-sell the the seats so that they know how many to to will be there. It's not open like a restaurant. It's a real just a pop-up. So we are already doing this, but let's say we want to maximize our kitchen more. How How is what we're doing like what you provide? Because we, we're doing several different kinds of use of the kitchen. And we also teach classes out of the kitchen. So we teach people how to make gumbo. You know, you come from 
let's say you come from Colorado and the idea of making this dark roux is really very jing. And so you want to see it done and kind of get your hands in it. So before you decide you're going to make gumbo, let's say. Um, so we have daily classes that are available there in addition. So what do you, what do you say? Well, I think you make a really good point there. There are a lot of kitchens that do this kind of stuff already where they just rent out to other people they know or their friends uh, or, or things like that, which is great, right? Because then they can make extra money for their own business or their kitchen. And it should be really easy. At the end of the day, sometimes it's not. And that's where I think what we've built and what we're doing becomes really valuable. Um, one, from the maximization of space standpoint, and then also making sure that all parties are protected standpoint as well. So for instance, with your kitchen, if you wanted to list your available time on the platform, you would have to go in, create an account. Um, you'd list a bunch of different aspects about your kitchen. For instance, the time you're available, the days of the week, in addition to some of the equipment you have, um, and other things like that, so that prospective renters could understand um, what the, you know, what the selling, uh, selling points of your space are. And then you'd be able to block out time that you wouldn't want to make available to renters if you have your cooking classes uh, on a daily basis or existing renters that you'd want to manage outside of the platform. Of course, we, we suggest to kitchens that we've worked with in the past and that are currently working with us that all renters should go through one uh, platform whether it be ours or, you know, another one, right? But to make sure that all of the data and the information about your renters are in one place and that you can manage all of their payments and scheduling and other health department requirements all through that one centralized location, right? Um, and so that's kind of where the value, the value is provided to kitchens, right? So everything is in one spot. You can get paid at a set time every month there is no haggling with different renters because all of that is locked in from the beginning. And once all of that is there, you have access to our tools that make it easy for you to manage the, manage the use of the space. So when you're handing off between different renters, making sure that that's clean and making sure that any incidents are tracked and other things like that. And eventually what we're launching in the next couple of weeks will be a, a protection plan that acts like insurance which will be able to fill some of the insurance gaps for different hosts and renters alike, further making it even easier to bring another renter into your kitchen space. So uh, let's say you're a baker and you want to access at two or three in the morning. Um, how have the kitchen providers been dealing with, with that because maybe they, um, do they, they, obviously people can't always be there. So you're not going to be on site all the time. And so that means you're allowing somebody into your space with their own key or whatever code or whatever it is that you use for security. How has that worked out? And is there some sort of screening of people that is done through your app as opposed to just individually and personally? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Vetting is a big part of this. You know, we're a B2B platform. So we want to make sure that these are actual business people and business owners 
that come into your kitchen space. So there's that level of trust there, right? Before we even talk about getting them in and out of the space at different times, right? We want to make you, we want to make you feel comfortable because, you know, these are actual people, actual businesses, uh, and instill a level of comfort in the kitchens on our platform to make sure that they're okay with this, even though, you know, they are making money for every month because of the renter coming into the space. As for the getting in and out of the kitchen, we've been doing this on a per kitchen basis for the time being. So if the kitchen has a code or a key to get in, um, we typically let the kitchen and the renters figure that out themselves, obviously providing guidance based on best practices we've seen so far. Um, and then once the kitchen is available to the renter, we also suggest that there's security cameras in there at all times, just to make sure that the kitchen owner has eyes on the renters uh, and the renters know this, they sign on and they accept this as a prerequisite before getting on the platform. Obviously in the future, these are things we're going, we're planning to bring on platform as well with solutions for security and for getting in and out of the space. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not something I can talk about just yet. We need a little bit more time to uh, mm -hmm. develop before we launch all that. So what about other kinds of needs that are not directly kitchen needs? For example, storage needs. If you have said, well, this is going to be my, my kitchen and I'm going to be there between this time and that time, three days a week or whatever it might be you know, it becomes a real chore if you have to cart things with you and take them away all the time. Does the, the app help with that? And do kitchens make special provision for that room in somebody's walk-in and for dry goods, as opposed to things that need to be refrigerated? Is there space for that? Yeah, absolutely. So we have obviously the kitchen space as a big product for us. But we're also coupling that with storage, with food truck parking, and in Austin and other Texas cities, uh, the central prep facility requirement as well, which is the sign off from the food department, from the health department, uh, mm -hmm. that food trucks have a commissary kitchen, which is required here in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of that, yes, is available for different kitchen owners to price out separately, or they can bundle that with kitchen usage as well. So the idea is we want to help these kitchen owners monetize, you know, any, any way they can when their kitchen's empty, of course. And those are just four examples of that. But as we grow outside of Texas and we see more demand and hear more feedback from our users, we'll be able to expand this and really help these small businesses maximize the monetization they can get out of their kitchen at any time of the day, regardless of who's in it. So it also seems to me that this would be a useful thing for some of the food incubators. Um, you know, if you're bottling a hot sauce, you need somebody that has a little bottling line. You don't want to be using a funnel and bottling 3,000 bottles of hot sauce at a time or whatever. You want it to go down, down a line. Do you have that sort of thing also built into your app or is it really geared toward existing restaurant or commissary kitchens oh we can do any kind yeah go on i'm <laughs> so sorry about that 
we, we can do any kind of kitchens. So any kitchen that's either for production, restaurant, commissary, you know, we've seen bars and cafes, even nightclubs that have kitchens, hotels, even all of these kitchens are potential use cases because there's a large variety of food business renters that need that space. And so as a platform, it's in our best interest to make as many of these spaces and types of spaces available to them as possible. And so, yes, the, the long and the short of it is that we have a, a wide variety and uh, the goal is to meet the needs of any kind of food business, uh, whether they're large or small, but growing as they figure out their space needs and then hopefully can grow with us as well. So in other words, if I'm a baker and I go around to restaurants and I say, I make a really great hamburger bun, you should get your hamburger buns from me instead of buying commercially made hamburger buns that are pre-made and whatever you want to be able to say you have artisanal hamburger buns. So I'm going to use your a kitchen to make the hamburger buns. And then I'm going to probably deliver uh, to the restaurants that need them or the restaurants maybe arrange to pick up from the, the kitchen where I am depending. So you probably, I mean, ovens become something really, really important. But if if you're if you need special supplies, you either need the space, like and I'm not talking about supplies, special machinery. Uh, because of, let's say you're making hot sauce and bottling it, you either need a space where you can purchase the bottling or you need a f- to find a place that actually has the bottling line is, I mean, I, I realize that you may not have had that particular question come up, but how, how do you deal with that in, because let's say I'm a restaurant and I make my own hot sauce already and I do a lot of pickling and canning because next to my restaurant, I've got um, like a, a deli where you can buy the pickles and other stuff that the sausage that I make and all of that kind of thing. But I I am expecting that nobody else is going to need my my bottling line or whatever. So how do you put that all together? You find out that somebody needs that but they don't know you have it because you haven't listed it. Is there any way to deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We actually have heard this question before because there are a lot of small businesses that want to use a service like ours or a platform like ours to do their manufacturing. So it's Uh a big part of kind of how how we've thought about this. To answer your question, we want to incentivize kitchens to put all of their special equipment that make their kitchens uh, so great for them and their own use uh, as information on the platform so that the renters can find them and then potentially use it as well. Of course, say if there's like the restaurant example with the bottling line, right? They would be able when they sign up onto the platform to either exclude that from the usage agreement that they set with the renter. So saying, okay, the renter can't use this, or they have the opportunity to allow the renter to use that as either uh, included in the set hourly price or as an additional add-on as well. And so the idea is to make it as modular as possible for these kitchens to say, okay, if we have this specialty piece of equipment that we want 
you know, that we want to charge extra for or require extra training for, that's their prerogative to do that. We just want to help them, you know, put that, put that, uh, or show that to the renters and show their kitchens in the best light. So that's, that's something that we've, that's something that's forthcoming, but, uh, should be live in the next couple of weeks as well. And so if, if somebody actually was, um, an incubator, they could list too. And it would be a way for them to kind of get their kitchen in perhaps more efficient usage because uh, somebody can use it at three o'clock in the morning or something like that. Yeah, wow. you're absolutely right. Hmm. So, all right, you're talking about your expansion, uh, but let's say, let's say that's so fab, that's the Southern Food and Beverage Museum says, well, you're not really doing stuff in New Orleans, but we really want you, we want a list with you. How do you handle that? Do you just say, well, we haven't expanded to Louisiana yet? Or do you try to say, well, maybe that's the way we'll go. We'll go to Louisiana next or something. I mean, I realize you're also expanding to uh, other cities in, in Texas. And I can also understand as a new business, you want to kind of perfect it before you start expanding so that you eliminate a lot of problems. But once you bring in another state, I mean, it's probably hard enough in this within one state because different cities are going to have their own ordinances that you have to comply with. Um, how, how are you thinking about that? Well, you know, at the end of the day, our goal is to is to make this available to restaurateurs as either kitchens or renters or any kind of food businesses nationwide, because we think that the space optimization and the tools we provide um, could be really helpful for small businesses and maybe change the unit economics of running a food business, which at the end of the day, people know the margins are really, really small. Mm -hmm. um, and so how we kind of view expansion right now is we want to make sure that we have, well, you're hundred percent right. We want to make sure we get it right first mm -hmm. and that we're providing services that work for the needs of our customers, both as hosts and as guests. Uh, and then we'll be able to expand much quicker. How we view it right now is we don't have any graphical restrictions for kitchens wanting to sign up. So for example, if SoFab wanted to list their kitchen, uh, we would welcome it. You'd be able to create your own account. Uh, what that means, however, until we've launched in a certain city or state, is that we haven't done the curation on our side of guests mm -hmm. in order to push those guests to your kitchen space, mm -hmm. uh, just because we haven't been able to go into that geography yet. But if you have already existing renters, and you want to use our tools to help make your payments and scheduling um, and your kitchen operations easier, we welcome that. And we'll be able to onboard your guests as well. So it's kind of this, uh, it's kind of this situation where we, we are planning to allow anybody to join, a, join our platform, but we want to make sure that they, the expectations they have are tempered until we were able to do the full launch in their geography. But the other plus with that is that if we have a lot of kitchens or hosts ready to go, that pushes us to launch in that geography sooner. So of course, if you're interested, please sign up. 
you know, we'd be really happy to have you. And we, it just makes us think about Louisiana, New Orleans as another location for us as soon as possible. All right. I have one more question and that has to do with pricing. How much control does the kitchen have over the price versus some kind of standardization of pricing? So the kitchen sets the price. Okay. Yeah. And so, of course, we can provide guidelines based on what we've seen in the geography, you know, other comparables for different spaces, things like that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the kitchen. You know, these kitchen owners know their space best. They know the value that they provide to renters in terms of equipment or location or hours. And we want to respect that. So kitchen owners set the price for any of the add-ons they do as well for storage or food truck parking. Um, And so, of course, we'll give them support on that. But at the end of the day, they know their business best and we're just here to help them. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Cole. This is really, really fascinating. I think the idea is really remarkable and sort of going in the same direction, as you say, as Airbnb or some other kind of um, matching organization. And I'm looking forward to watching you grow. Oh, well, thank you, Liz. This has been an absolute pleasure this morning. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans. Learn more and subscribe to this and other podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook on Nitty Grits Podcasts. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.